The scripture reading today is from John chapter 10, verses 7 through 11. So again, Jesus said to them, Very truly, I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and bandits, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters by me will be saved and will come in and go out to find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thank you, Linda, for our beautiful reading this morning. And now, let us bow our heads for a moment of prayer. Creator God, I pray that the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart would be pleasing in your sight. Though I may fumble and my words may come out wrong, I pray you find a way to use them anyways, to guide us to your greener pasture to help us find and focus on the life you promise us, a life of abundance that we can only dream of. May we seek your wisdom and your way today, O Lord. Amen. This week is clearly a week of new beginnings for us in a lot of different ways. Uh, but primarily for both a new sermon series and a new holy season for us to practice together. Today, we begin our new sermon series titled Called to More from the United Methodists of Greater New Jersey. And for the next six weeks, as we traverse this season of Lent together, we'll be exploring the actions and habits and systems that separate us from relationship with God and neighbor. Along the way, we'll also discover that we have been called to so much more than we ever thought possible. Now, if Lent is a new season for you, or if you forget every year what's going on, I do sometimes, uh, Lent is a season of preparation for the 40 days before the celebration of Easter. And it's really 46 days with Sundays included, but Sundays are excluded from the count because they are meant to each be their own miniature Easter for us. Days where our spirits are resurrected and given new life to power us through those last cold, dark days of winter. And I feel like I need it after this week of cold. These 40 days are meant to represent to us the 40 days that Jesus walked through the wilderness to prepare his heart for ministry. And in the same way, these 40 days are meant to be a preparation for our hearts, a time for us to wander in the wilderness of our own lives, our own choices, and even our own darkness in order to make way for greater relationship with God and with neighbor. 
I've always found that this season of Lent kind of functions a bit like a New Year does for the rest of the world. And while we celebrate New Year's in January, and technically the New Year for the church uh, begins in Advent when we celebrate uh, the coming of Jesus being born, um, Lent has always felt like the same kind of intentional energy that we apply to that first month of the year. It seems like a time to take stock of where we have fallen short in the past and to recognize what it is that needs changing in our lives, maybe what needs to be added in so that we can refocus and be just a little bit better than we were last year. What I like about Lent over the traditional New Year's resolution practice is its focus. It's all about connecting to something greater than yourself, But I will absolutely confess and tell you the truth. Uh, I have been guilty of setting those really self-absorbed New Year's resolutions like, I'm going to eat better, I'm going to work out, and I'm going to get a promotion, and I'm going to do all of the things, like those really selfish, self-absorbed goals. I do those from time to time. Not as often anymore. I think I've grown a little bit. But they still happen from time to time. And every time I set one of those goals, I have two potential outcomes. On one hand, the first outcome, I live up to the statistical standard for New Year's resolutions. Um, According to Ohio State University research, only 9% of Americans complete their resolutions. That's a really sad statistic. But 23%, almost a quarter of people, give up entirely on their resolutions by the end of the first week of January. 43% quit by the end of January, and the stats just take a steep decline from there. Failure is almost guaranteed when it comes to the New Year's resolution racket. And most often, I confess, I will fall somewhere between that first week of January and the final week of January. I will make it usually a solid two weeks. That feels good. but I think I've rarely made it to February 1st whenever I've set those lofty goals for myself as if I really thought that I was going to become a uh, marathon runner overnight with two bad knees and a deep hatred of running. Um, I know we're all surprised that that one didn't work out, right? (laughs) But it's it's the other outcome, actually, uh, that I think ends up being maybe the most detrimental. It's when the goal resolution, the object of our attention becomes so important that it eclipses everything and everyone else. It takes over and it makes us forget what makes life worth living. I've seen this in others more than I'd care to and I confess again, I have experienced it myself. I became so intent and focused on meeting my goal of finishing my senior year of my undergraduate degree with good grades, multiple jobs, and a social life uh, that I forgot almost entirely about the thing that made it possible to begin with, my health. After studying all day and working night shifts all night, I finally got to a point where my body just decided to shut down and catch every single illness that crossed my path 
I think I ended up being sick for three or four months straight as a once healthy 21-year-old. That temptation I felt to have it all, the grades, the money, the friends, it took over my life. The temptation to achieve it all almost lost me the ability to achieve anything at all. But what I know for certain, after sharing that story for a number of years, because thank God that's long in the past. I have not done that for a while. But what I have learned after sharing this story is that I am not alone in that experience of holding on to something so tightly we forget about everything else. Sure, we can fail at our resolutions and our goals sometimes, but sometimes we fail not by inaction, but by focusing too much on what we think will bring us happiness or peace or abundance. We think we know for sure what's going to make us happy, and when we find out in pursuing that happiness that we achieve what we wanted, Well, we find it leaves us almost as empty as we were before. I think there's a temptation, maybe written into our DNA or our culture, and maybe in our own minds, that tells us no matter how hard we try, no matter what we do, we won't be happy until we do this, or buy this, or have this set of friends, this abundance is just not possible if we're not willing to fit the mold and be exactly what the world wants us to be. We seem to keep ourselves away from happiness just by the sheer act of pursuing it. But here's, here's the thing that keeps me up at night, besides this thing that's growing and literally keeping me up at night. The thing that keeps me up is that some people think this about God. That the creator of the universe wants for us to be nothing but productive and perfect and popular. And that should you fail to follow every rule and live up to every standard, that there isn't a place for you. Some even consider our text today to be a proof text for the very idea that if you aren't perfect and practicing and repentant, well, you're out. The gate will close right in front of you, and there's no inclusion and mercy that God has for you. That good pasture that God watches over just won't be for you. But here's what I think folks miss when they try and keep that pasture small and only for some. It's that Jesus illustrates for us in parable and story and action just how false that assumption is. That assumption that there will be people excluded from the pasture of abundance ignores the entire context of Christ. Our shepherd, remember, is a good shepherd, one that lays down his life for his sheep, 
his sheep in his lifetime being those who have been rejected and cast aside by this world, those who were too sick to participate, those who were left out, his sheep that he chose in his life were sex workers and tax collectors and people who fell to the outskirts of society by their own choice or the world's judgment or both. Those were the sheep that Jesus went after with reckless abandon in his lifetime. He doesn't seem to have much to say about the blameless or the spotless or the perfect and very productive. He just makes a point to look out for all of them and even go after the ones that leave the flock, even if it's just a single one. Christ says that he is a good shepherd, and he shows us what that looks like. And this is the Christ that tells us that he has come, that we may have life, not fear, but life, and have it abundantly, that we are made for the very best that God has to offer. The trick that we have a tendency to fall into, the reason that this all seems too good to be true, is that our definition of abundance is categorically different than what Jesus thinks of as abundance. If we look at Christ's life, it's not one that's filled with a lot of wealth or security. It doesn't even include a widespread family or a life that lasts all that long, the simple things that you and I might define as a good life. What Christ's abundant life is, is rich in friendships. It is full of goodness. It satisfies the soul and its ability to give to others, to share and spread hope. It is sacrificial in its giving. It is abundant in love because as we see throughout every single gospel in nearly every single verse is that Christ loved deeply the imperfect world around him. Not because it was perfect, but because it was his. That life is abundant, but not in the way the rest of the world would consider important. It's abundant in the love that is given. Not in the love or the stuff or the time received. It is abundance that the thieves and bandits of our scripture, of this world, can't even begin to touch. But I do want to draw your attention to just one little thing. Those aren't the only robbers around, the ones that steal physical things from our lives. Sometimes... Thieves in the night aren't other forces in our world. Sometimes they're the voices within our own minds that tell us we couldn't possibly deserve this or that we're not good enough for that or that we are unlovable or unworthy or unwanted. Sometimes 
the bandits are the bad thoughts that we have about ourselves. And the reason that those things are so dangerous is because they leak and they sneak just like the bandits they're named for. They spill out into the judgments that we make of others. They slip into our assumptions about the world and everyone else's intentions in them. They even find their way into our expectations about God. The thoughts that we have about ourselves are insidious and they steal the abundance God promises us from right underneath our noses. The hard thing to hold with both hands, the truth that we have to face as followers of Christ is that we are imperfect as those thief and bandit voices love to remind us. We will make mistakes. We will fall short of what we're capable of. We'll make poor judgments. We will make a kerfuffle of this life we've been given at some point. I guarantee it. You will try to be a marathon runner for a week and then realize that the only thing that really loves you and understands you is a pint of caramel cone haagen Not that I know that from personal experience at all. <laughs> but that's the human condition. We make mistakes. Some call it sin. Some call it missing the mark. Some call it an average Tuesday afternoon and every single one would be accurate. But with the other hand, we must remember that the gate is still open. The shepherd is still watching and looking and keeping a close eye on you with love in his heart. That abundant life is still waiting for you and is well within arm's reach, even if it looks a little different than the ads say it will. The good news, the gospel for us today is that that abundance is here. And even though we might fail, we are able to give and to hope and to love because our God is nothing if not a God of second chances. We see it every day of our lives when we wake up in the morning and the sun is shining or when it's not. For the shepherd knows his sheep and knows them even when they wander, even when they fail. Our shepherd comes after us every single time, even if it's just one of us wandering off. So my homework for you this week is to live that gospel, to consider what reaching towards God's abundance really looks like for you. I'm sure you're all familiar with the practices of Lent. What do you give up? Are you giving up chocolate, TV, whatever? I'm going to reframe that a little bit for us today. Maybe this Lent, it means leaving behind some of those practices and behaviors that aren't serving us. Maybe it's chocolate or caramel cone ice cream by haagen does maybe. But maybe it's indulging in too much TV or conversations with too much negativity. Maybe it means changing those inner thoughts, those bandits and thieves of abundance that like to live rent-free in our minds. Maybe it means taking a look at them and saying, but God loves me anyways. What can you do? Not a thing. 
maybe. It means reaching for a new practice, reaching for something that feels like abundance to you, offering your time in service to others. Maybe it means showing more grace and mercy to those that haven't had your attention before. Or maybe it just means loving those in your care with a little more intentionality and a little more compassion. And I want you to remember one thing about that last one. You are also within your care. And loving yourself with a little more intention can go a long way. I hear it from my doctor every time I go to check on the little one, that the care we offer ourselves is contagious, not just if you're growing a baby, but to our entire community. It sneaks into everything else, just like those little bandits. But instead of sowing self-hatred and loathing in our hearts, it sows self-compassion and self-love, which seeps out and infects others. Whatever the practice you choose in this season, be it giving up or taking on or changing a mindset, whatever it is, know that you have the support of an entire community. Share it with a friend. Tell folks what's going on with you because we have your back and the future looks brighter with you in it with us. The gate is open. The pasture is clear. The shepherd is waiting. Are you ready in this season of Lent to step into abundance. I pray that you are, even if it's just with little baby steps. I pray these have been the words of the Lord for us this day. Amen.